Um, I just had a few questions. Obviously, uh, Base Zeus is, is the main one. Um, obviously, we want to talk to you like behind behind Base Zeus, just as you as a person. Um, yeah. So yeah, just both those things. Cool. Sounds good. Okay. Let's do it. Sweet. So, would you like to introduce yourself to the boys? Um, obviously, everyone knows you as Base Zeus, but who is Base Zeus? Yeah. So, Base Zeus is a animation dating channel that I started um, back in 2016, so almost eight years ago now. And since then, it's evolved quite a bit. We've got over a million subscribers, 150 million views. We blew up pretty fast back in the day because we were making content that was very direct and actionable when it comes to what dating advice is. Back at the time in 2016, YouTube and the, the dating content landscape was a lot different than what it is today. So back then you had these long 30 minute long, long winded pickup artists, very cringe content if you wanted to learn about dating. And it was very, it was very gate kept community. They had all these terms and it was just very off off putting for someone who was new and trying to learn. And then on the other side of the spectrum, you had guys who were kind of giving advice, but it was a very ask men, very basic generic advice, like just be confident or brush your teeth or get a haircut. So base Zeus, the, the reason I think base Zeus did so well at the time and so quickly was because Zeus was really just a, an in-between actionable dating advice, very quick to the point and provide, fill the hole in the market at the time. And obviously now, uh, dating and the whole men's improvement content is super mainstream. So it's been interesting to watch how this has all evolved over time. Right. And uh, before you started Bezos, like what inspired you to start Bezos? Was it just you and your buddies? Was it you by yourself? Um, how'd that all begin? Yeah, so it's always been a little bit of a team effort because I have I don't know how to animate. I'm not exactly a great editor when it comes to content. So I've always had editors, animators, etc., who've helped out when it comes to making the actual content. Um, I had some friends involved who were helping with some content ideas back in the day, but um, it's been me when, when it comes to the the actual content and the overall direction view of the channel. That's kind of how it started. Was it AI as a voice or what was it? No, I, I can't give up all the secrets. Okay. That, that, that's, okay. that's a secret I'll, I'll, t I'll, take, I'll take to the grave on that one. <laughs> that's awesome. Cool. Um, so but who inspired you? Was it like, did you have a mentor at the time? Not a mentor when it came to YouTube. So I, when I started it, I, my background is more in, in, in tech and the startup scene. So at the time I was working at tech startups, uh, I was in college as well. It was really just, I've always been, I've always done well when it can't comes to dating. I've been, a, you know, me and my friends used to go and cold approach girls at the mall when we were you know 14 and 15 years old. So I've always been, uh, above average when it comes to dating, I was always helping my friends or taking their phones and texting girls for them so they can get girls out on dates and get, my friends would always ask me for advice. So when it came time to go to college, I kind of just made the content that I, I would have wanted when I was in high school. And if you look at the, especially the original videos on the channel, it's really evolved. In the beginning, it was catered towards high school guys, really, really young demographic. The videos were super beginner, super basic focused. And as I matured and as I got older and as the audience sort of got older as well, it kind of evolved naturally over time. And then how old were you when you started Basis? I was 19. Okay, nice. So I'm, I'm 19 right now, actually. Okay, yeah, cool. that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. So did you, did you ever realize, like, um, did you think it was going to be easier 
uh, doing no face or did you show your face before and you're like, okay, I'm gonna switch it up to no face. Um, how did that all work? Yeah. So it was a couple of reasons. One, because I wanted the, the content to be, I wanted the content to be focused on the content, not necessarily the person behind it, because that's something that I've seen happen with lots of different educational or infotainment type channels where I feel like there becomes a cult of personality around the person. And I, the bet was that the content we had was really good. And the content that I was making was going to get guys results. So I figured I'd let the content speak for speak for itself in that regard. Also, it was just a really novel and unique way of doing it. It was, it was essentially a, a, a virality tactic to make the content, um, blow up and be more memorable and get people more invested in what was going on in terms of no face and doing animations. There's a big give and take. There is a lot of pros and cons. I think it was the, I think having that unique angle to provide the dating content, anytime you're making a, a product or you're launching a business or you have a channel, you always want to have a unique selling proposition, right? What is the unique thing that you offer that is going to have people coming to you and separate you from the rest? So that was part of that. It also made it a lot more fun and gave me a lot of freedom over what to do and what to say, et cetera. But as far as, you know, why I decided to do it, it was really just what made the most sense from a, from a business perspective. Or if I thought, how do I get this to reach the most amount of people? That was, that was how, how, how the idea came to be. And so like, where did you, all the things that base Zeus or the branding talked about, or the things that you're creating, did you a hundred percent agree with all the things that you were speaking of, or that the content was being created about, or were you just creating it because it was just, you knew it was going to work, it was going to go viral. Um, how, how closely were your beliefs tied into all the content? Yeah. So that's, it's funny because now that we've moved away from the animation stuff, and it's the, the content is largely myself. Now, that's actually something that I've thought about a lot. It's hard to go backwards and say, what do I agree with and what don't I agree with? I was a different person at the time. I'm 26 now, right? I've been making these videos for seven and a half years. So it's hard to go back and watch a video and be like, I mean, obviously, I don't agree with a lot of the stuff that I've said now, but that's because I'm a different person. It was for a different time with a different context. So I don't necessarily feel... Like I need to agree with everything that I said in the past and I need to defend it or anything um, in that regard. As far as did I agree with everything that I was saying when I was writing the content as Zeus, I would say philosophically, yes, and generally, yes. Um, I would say the way it was packaged, the way it was worded. I probably agreed with some with the with the general philosophy of what was being said, but the way it was, I wasn't married to the way it was said either, because it needed to be entertaining, it needed to be comedic, because that was a big aspect of the channel. Sometimes we would even be satirical on some of the stuff we were saying, but it, I wasn't married to like, is this a, like, no? This is what I believe. How can I say this in the most interesting way, in a way that's going to be funny, and in a way that's going to um, keep viewers invested? So that. To, uh, that's a roundabout way of answering your question. I would say yes, generally I did. Um, I wouldn't have said I wouldn't have provided advice or promoted something that I didn't agree with philosophically um, or on some general level. So, were you always based, or did you did you have some heartbreaks? Did you start watching some videos or start learning the hard way, or were you just always good with women? Yeah, man. So 
I remember, like, for example, when I was in middle school, we had flip phones and phones that slide up and have a physical keyboard. When I was in high school, I was using a BlackBerry with a slide up keyboard. So the the Internet and how to get advice back in the day was not very, especially when it comes to how it is now. It was not the same and not to act like I'm some some old guy, but that's just a testament to how fast things have grown. I mean, I'm sure you can see a year ago, Manosphere, Manosphere content, right, or just men's content in general with the core focus being improvement or dating wasn't really popular a year ago and now it's right. the most popular genre right mm. how did that happen why did that happen etc back in the day it was not like that at all so there was nowhere to really get content you literally i remember reading WikiHow articles unironically like unironic you know those WikiHow articles where they have the weird drawings and they give you this really generic <laughs> often borderline terrible advice i was on people would unironically read those back in the day um because that was the only way you could get advice on stuff there wasn't really um the only people who would make youtube advice were direct response marketers who were you know peddling their funnel or whatever it was so it Mm. wasn't very good in terms of how i gained my experience it was just a lot of putting shots on the board and throwing myself at it because i was just a young kid i'm like i want to i want to date girls i want to get good at this i i don't like feeling like I don't like the, I didn't like the feeling of leaving it up to luck or as if I am, I, I'm not in control or in the driver's seat of my ability to get what I wanted out of my dating life. And it was just a lot of fun, like meeting girls, talking to girls and just working on it. It was just a fun skill to, to get obsessed with and have fun with when I was younger. So that's sort of how it evolved. And then what made you want to show your face um, after so many years? Cause you didn't show your face for how long? Yeah, so we started the channel in 2016. We hit a million subs in 2018. So we hit a million subs two years in, and we did the face reveal for a million subscribers. I felt at the time it made sense just to have a a million subscriber reveal. It kind of felt like it made sense at the time. There wasn't really a super calculated decision. I just thought, I think this makes sense. Um, I, me personally, I wanted to do stuff outside of just dating content at the time too. So I felt that gave me um, flexibility to do other types of things, launch a second channel and whatnot. So it kind of made sense at the time, but it was really just a fun way of doing it. I, I, I never became a centerpiece on the channel after that. It was really only, you know, I think before um, January, I had only ever been in like seven videos or eight videos total, maybe 10 uh, on the channel in general. So it wasn't like, oh, we're going to transition where in actuality, excuse me, it probably would have made sense to have a transition back then. Uh, now that I'm doing a transition where it's more myself in the content. But because you present yeah. yourself as like the manager or basis buddy, like he was never there. So in, in the beginning, at least for the most part. Yeah, so that was kind of the fu- the fun part. It was really fun writing that script and coming up with it. It just felt like a cool I- cool idea to explore and sort of unpack that way. So in terms of how we did the reel and whatnot, we we wanted to do it in a way where it still kept some of the mystique and you, it, the the way it ended was, was up to interpretation. But so it was back- very much assumed that, you know, I'm the guy behind Zeus. Right. And then so back then, was it was it very cancel happy? Were were you like aware of like all the uh, the cancel culture going on for talking about just red pill content or just the truth in general? Um, was Bezos ever close to getting canceled or or deleted or any of these things? So we've always had issues with we, we've never made money from AdSense. I think my best month ever from AdSense was maybe three grand from 
you know, AdSense. And that at the time we were getting like 4 million views a month. Um, yeah. So we were getting quite a lot of viewership. Our CPM has always been below a dollar about. Um, so it's always been pretty bad. That's because our channel didn't blow up or get monetized until after the YouTube adpocalypse, which happened back in 2017, 2018. I don't know if you're, you're familiar with that, but that was a big no, deal back no. then. Yeah, so yeah. back then uh, there was a, a couple hit pieces that came out in the New York Times or whatever that basically there was Coca-Cola ads running on ISIS videos and how YouTube monetization, they just slap ads on any videos and people mm -hmm. are making money from it. So advertisers, a lot of advertisers pulled out of YouTube funding. So it totally tanked the the CPMs and the RPMs for creators and it got a lot stricter. That's why when you upload a video now, you have to rate whether or not it's suitable for advertisers. And that, that was never a thing back in the right. day. Um, anyways, um, in terms of the cancel stuff, I mean, the, the Zeus character was animated. It was also comedic. So we were able to say stuff that was, you know, for, for comedic value, right? So I never really felt that was a big deal. And I don't, personally, I never felt like I was really super saying anything crazy. Um, you know, we made some, did we make some really out-of-pocket jokes as Zeus? Yeah, of course. Um, but it was a different time. We're making content. It's a fucking cartoon. So how seriously can you really take it? Um, and yeah, I'm, uh, was was I worried back then? Not necessarily, but it was just easier to keep things separate. So if I wanted to do other content outside of dating, I still had this thing that was focused on that. It was a brand on its own. But mm. I've since changed my mind uh, on all those things. Okay, nice. And then uh, you do have a personal brand now outside of Bezos. So are you trying to completely disconnect yourself from Bezos or are you trying to, what are you trying to do with your personal brand now? Yeah. So that's an interesting question. So th there really is no personal brand. It's there's kind of a transition going on where base Zeus is uh, where I I'm in all the content on base Zeus now, whether you go on TikTok, Instagram or YouTube, it's, it's just me now. So is like the separate personal brand that I had and just Zeus being Zeus and being dating is kind of mixing and unfolding in a way um, that I'm, I'm still not even sure of. I just wanted to make a transition. I wanted the content to be more real. The space has changed a lot. People are, people want content in a different way. People are talking about dating in a different way. And also, you know, I'm growing and maturing. And I, the, the Zeus character and the fact that it's a cartoon is inherently skewing towards a younger, more immature audience. And that's just not something that I want to cater to forever. So I figured I might as well start transitioning away from that into what's more representative of where I'm at personally. Yeah, because I, I, when I was younger, like I think even before I even started YouTube, I remember seeing some of your videos like just popping up on my feed or on YouTube. And then when Austin Summers put me in that group chat and then I saw you and I clicked on your fucking your name and it said founder of Base Zeus. Like, what the fuck? And I, I had no idea about the face <laughs> reveal, any of these things. So I was like, dude, that's fucking crazy. Um, and then, yeah, I started exploring more and watching the, the face reveal videos and it was pretty cool seeing all of it kind of, you know, unravel. Um, which is super sick. Yeah, I would say our content wasn't necessarily red pill either. Um, mm. The red pill stuff, it's been really interesting to watch the red pill stuff unfold um, in the sense that none of no one was talking about this stuff a couple of years ago. This is something that I would say started popping up around 2019 or 2018 was the first time I was hearing the words red pill. People would comment it on my videos. I'm like, what the fuck is this red pill stuff? Um, so I kind of went down the rabbit hole and saw things unfolding and you know the i'm i'm very uh not surprised but i'm even i'm taken aback by how 
much the the red pill scene, the reactionary content, the podcasts um, has has blown up. Because back in 2019, I remember seeing the first few red pill creators. They were just kind of small and obscure, but they were getting a fuck ton of views for how small they were and how mm. new that their content style was. This sort of reactionary content um, when it comes to dating. And it's just blown up like crazy with Fresh and Fit and all the other guys who are making content in this regard. So right. it's it's an interesting evolution with how dating and men's improvement has gone. Um but I always felt like ours, our, our, our content on Zeus was super, super dating focused. And I, I never, I guess you could say there's some red pill concepts in there just by the nature of us talking about men and women and dating. Um, but as far as the red pill stuff, I don't know how, I never know how, how much that, that felt like it was in alignment with what we were doing. Cause ours just felt a lot more practical. Yeah. It's so interesting. Cause uh, even for me, I was inspired to create content by coach Corey Wayne. Um, because he, his advice completely changed my life. And I noticed a lot of kids around me would start to notice, Hey, why are you getting all these girls? Why do you have so many girlfriends? You know, how are you doing this? And I'd be like, dude, it's coach Corey Wayne. Be like, Oh, it's outdated. He talks about pagers. He talks about flip phones. It's outdated. And I was like, all right, cool. I'm gonna prove all you guys wrong. I'm gonna use all the same information, but I'm just gonna be the one saying it. And then it blew up. It, the podcast blew up. Everything I was saying blew up. Um, and then I actually started to find all these these terms and these people in the manosphere right the first time i ever heard based was like people commenting it or first time i heard red pill was people commenting commenting it i had no idea was, no idea what these terms were i had no idea who andrew tate was until i started creating my first videos and after like a week of creating content like me and my brother um we we're in the backyard and i and a video of andrew tate and his brother like the first podcast they have together and there's like a live stream or something and they pop up and it's crazy how I started finding all these guys slowly, like right when I started creating content as well. And I was like, dude, there's more guys like me. This is awesome. And I remember when like Fresh and Fit, they just started coming up as well the same time I started my podcast. And then I started finding more dudes. And for some reason, I just thought it was like super, you know, it was super hard to find these guys. I, I wasn't in the space, like looking around for dudes. It was just, I found one guy, Coach Corey Wayne, stuck with him, started creating content. And then I started finding all these other dudes. And then, yeah, I got canceled. That's that's why I asked you about getting canceled and showing your face because right in the beginning of like the first two, three months of me creating content, got canceled. You know, someone made a hit piece on Instagram and got like over 100,000 likes by all these feminists in, in California too. And I was still in high school at the time. So, you know, my high school was like trying to ex get me kicked out of the school, you know, a bunch of crazy shit, bro. So, you know, it's, it's like cops coming to my house, showing up at, at school it, it is nuts. Um, so I see what did you no get face. canceled for? It was one video on TikTok, and I talked about how men and women are valued. And I talked about how for women, it's, it's mainly based off how women are born. They're born with value, right? They're born with the ass, the tits, you know, they're born with value and power because they have that over guys. And for guys, we're born like lower in value and status, and we have to kind of build ourselves up. And I just said like, yo, freaking guys have to build themselves up, right? And girls have to maintain their value. How guys build themselves up is through power, success, money, status. And for girls, they have to maintain their value by having good integrity, doing the right thing, not having sex with a bunch of dudes. And I think that was the biggest thing that so many people got heated on was me talking about how sex is bad um, for girls. And it just went viral. So, but at the same time though, that's when I saw most of like my followers coming in. That's when I got the most views. Um, and that's when I actually like 
grew like a really hardcore strong following after that yeah yeah that makes sense i, I haven't been canceled um I mean, you, you get, you'll, you'll make a video and your, your fans will get mad at the, you, that you said something or they disagree or whatever it's going to be, but I, I don't think I've ever been canceled to that level. So uh, how, how did you, how did you take it? how did you deal with it? And what'd you learn from it? So I think for me, it, the perfect time I was getting canceled, I was reading a lot of books predicting that would happen like 48 laws of power. They talked about it. Like, and I read 48 laws of power, like three times in a row, right before it happened. So I understood like the power dynamic, it, uh, all attention is good attention, right? And me and my brother, we just kept repeating it to each other. When people were trying to cancel us or trying to make up fake lies about me specifically, you know, ex-girlfriends trying to come out, trying to, you know, claim a bunch of stuff like how they did with Trump and Andrew Tate, whatever, for attention. Um, it, I just had to keep repeating myself like, hey, all attention is good attention, right? And I just had to keep remembering like this is going to help me. Um, because it's actually looking back at it now, I'm super glad I got canceled. This is probably one of the most epic things ever. At the time, it was kind of like, whoa, this is weird. Like, everyone is against you right now. Your friends don't want to associate with you. You know, girls don't want to talk to you, right? These are all things that so many guys are fearful of. And now looking back at it, I'm like, dude, this is the best thing ever. Because now I got to see who's on my side when shit hits the fan and who's not. That's when I got, like, the most closest girls around me to actually, like, be my ride or dies. It's when I saw like who's really for me in terms of terms of guys who create content as well. Even some guys who create content were like, oh, I don't want to associate with him or guys who, you know, I even hung out with. Right. So looking back at it now, it's like, dude, that experience was fucking amazing because that's when you see who's really on your side, and who's not the girls around you, the guys around you. Um, and it's it, it was it's really awesome. So looking back at it now is pretty awesome. But at, at the time, I was like, what the fuck? You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. So it was, it was pretty interesting. Plus, you know, it, it, I didn't know anyone at the time that was getting canceled, you know? So it was like, what the fuck? Like every, all your teachers hitting you up, like you can't show up to class. You're not allowed to go do this, you know, getting hit up by random people sending death threats to your family. You know, your family's like, what the fuck is happening? So it, it's crazy. Yeah. Do you still, do you, do you still, follow that philosophy that all attention is good attention do you, most definitely. do you still do you still find that that's useful for what you're trying to do most definitely i think uh i don't think i i've ever really cared about money for this i think if i cared purely about money in the beginning it's probably not a good idea unless you had a really good product or service and then you got canceled it'd be good but at the time i didn't have any product or service i didn't have anything to offer right it was like I, all I had was donations, right? So the only money I was making at the time was people donating. Um, but for me, this is something like I'm very passionate about. I'll do it without making money. And I think that's why I think I'll be really successful um, with doing the podcasting and, and talking about this stuff. Because these are the this is one thing that I'm, I'm super passionate about because I've experienced all the things I talk about. Um, I've gone through it. You know, and I don't, I don't like seeing other guys, especially if they have the opportunity to learn from me. You know, I wouldn't want another dude having to learn the hard way, right? Eventually they do. But just knowing that, hey, like if they do learn the hard way, at least I told them they'll come back and they're like, damn, fucking Logan was right. So I think business wise, it's probably not the smartest, especially if you don't have any products or service. Maybe if you do have some products and services, it'd be good. And now that I do have some products and services, I'm actually looking to get canceled even more. <laughs> so, <laughs> Got it. But especially because uh, I figured out a pretty good strategy as well. 
um, with like the tape method basically of just having loads and loads of people, you know, creating content for you, having multiple pages. I think if you only had one page, that was your only option, then it would be kind of bad, right? So now I have multiple websites, multiple Instagrams, multiple YouTubes. Um, the only thing I need is multiple Spotify's now, but that's basically what I'm trying to work towards. Just, you know, not, it's just like basically, you know, unhinged. It's just like everywhere. I'm just everywhere. Um, so that's what I'm looking forward to. Yeah. Makes total sense. But yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting though. Cause it's not really, it doesn't really sound like a good business idea for sure. Obviously it's a little sketchy cause, uh, you're kind of relying on, um, a bunch of other, other things and you're still relying on that platform. Um, if you're looking obviously to make money, you gotta, you gotta play by the rules on the platforms, especially if you only have one account. So, but yeah. What do you think about Andrew Tate blown up doing, you know, getting canceled everywhere, getting deleted everywhere, but he's, he's made, he's making like 10, $20 million a month. Well, what do you mean specifically? Like what, what, what about it? Do you, do you, I guess, do you, I guess we could, I guess we can talk about business first and then you can talk about what you think of him when he was blown up um, in the, in the very beginning. Yeah. From a business perspective, it, it depends how you think about it, right? There's a couple ways to think about it. You could say that perhaps Tate could have done exactly what he wanted to do, maybe done 80, 90% of it, but walked to the line a little bit better in terms of saying stuff that was going to get him canceled or that's typically what most people can do. You could say, hey, you can probably say 80, 90% of your message. Maybe just don't say the the craziest stuff so you don't get canceled. But in his case, the problem was that all of his old content was where all the craziest stuff was. So it was already said um, by the time he was, you know, blowing up and I guess inspiring people in, in his new way because his new message versus his old, some of the stuff you would say in his old content is completely different. And I think it's very clear in a lot of his old content, he was, he didn't think there's a lot of people watching and there was um, in his content, he was, he was joking or kidding, or maybe not really being serious. He was speaking, being hyperbolic Um, in terms of a business perspective. I mean, Hey, he's making a lot of money. So um, who am I to say that it was, it was a bad business move or a good one. Um, I think, just in general, there's a lot of lessons and the lessons being the, the, the affiliate model works. And I hadn't seen an affiliate model work like that in a really long time. So I think the way he was able to use the affiliate model is something that's really, really um, cool to take note of. But I think it also would only work specifically for him in his case, because he had a very unique personal brand. Um, his subscription products were were really, really smart because you could constantly have people coming in uh, and then you're creating revenue that's consistent. You're creating monthly recurring revenue rather than a one-time product. Um, so I think there was a lot of smart moves on for, from his regard. But I think also he's just such a unique personality that he was going to blow up regardless of the platforms or what was going on eventually. And I, I remember the first time I heard about him, I had seen him on a podcast years ago and it was unlike anything I'd ever heard before just the way he talked the way he spoke his lifestyle etc so um I'd kind of been in this being in this space I kind of had had an idea of what he was working on and doing in the background so seeing him blow up the way he did it's it's not surprising at all and obviously he's made a lot of money from it right and then how did you meet Austin Summers because Austin Summers is the one that that put me in the, in this group chat with all you guys so I think I'm so I met Austin Summers at a YouTube, uh, not a YouTube event. I met Austin Summers at a 
business event in California back in 2018. Um, we met because we we had both attended the event and we had some mutual friends there and that's how we kind of got introduced at the event. Um, and then we've kind of just kept in touch ever since. Nice. And uh, do, you, do you agree with all the red pill stuff? What do you think about all the red pill stuff, the Manosphere now today? I think Austin posted something pretty pretty good, which was, you know, the Manosphere used to be giving getting girls and helping men. And now it's just about roasting chicks. So what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, so it's it's interesting because the, the, the comments on my videos that I see now versus the one that I've seen years ago are just completely different. And I know people say, oh, don't read the comments. The comments are bad, whatever. And that's true. But the comments are the, the representation of how your audience thinks and what the what the cultural post pulse is on what you're saying and what you're doing. And it's interesting that now with the rise of all the red pill stuff, I mean, there's so much, there's so many things that encompass red pill that I wouldn't even know where to start, but generally do I think it's the, the, do I think guys are getting better at dating or that the way the content is put out now is net positive for building healthy, productive relationships with women? No, definitely not. Yeah. Um, I think people have been sold this machismo um, half-truth attitude that you don't need to focus on learning communication skills or actually building relationships with women. You can just make a bunch of money and then somehow women are magically going to fall from the sky later yeah, on down go, the line or and go just to work on yourself. Japan. Yeah. The yeah, or, <laughs> yeah, you know, there's all these sorts of really unproductive narratives and it's really – they're all just – clever ways of lying to yourself or clever ways of not of, of avoiding the 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 difficult work of like fuck i suck at talking to girls it's uncomfortable to go up and talk to someone uh that i don't know it's uncomfortable to figure out why am i not getting matches so instead of doing that they just think oh i'm not going to focus myself and the 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 thing that's most ironic about that is that all of my richest friends i have multiple i have tons of friends in their 20s and their 30s etc millionaire seven eight figure net worth easily and all of them were dating and had relationships or were meeting and spending time with women during the time that they were building their wealth and are still meeting and dating women as they continue to so this idea that it's one or the other is nonsense and this idea that if right now you're not the kind of guy who can attract a woman at 20 or 22 or 25 that somehow magically when you make money and you're 35 you're going to be able to attract women it's just it's not be true. Even worse. It, it's going to be even worse, bro, for sure. Certainly. And I I, I mean, that's the biggest thing I, I work with with guys um, in, inside one of my one of my one of my my coaching programs is I work specifically with older guys. And a lot of them, they're 30, they're 29, they're 35, sometimes 40 and up. And they make good money. They're in shape. They're over six feet tall. They're good looking. And they don't know how to talk to a girl for their life. They don't know how to text. They don't know how to get matches, right? Because they never actually learned this and they thought girls would just be lining up for them by the time they got successful. And surprise, surprise, it's not the case. As far as the um, the, the the reactionary sort of dunking on women on the podcasts uh, type of content, it's, it's just devolved into another form of politics, right? It's, oh, women say this and men say that, or my team says this and my team says that. It's If you, you could replace anything that the people are saying with left versus right politics, right? And you, you see that now 
the all of the 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 manosphere red pill content it talks about being like the, it's no mistake that they're talking about being woke or that they're always against people who are woke right um and it's because this is really just devolved into another form of politics which is why for me personally the the reactionary content the dunking on women is kind of just like is it entertaining of course right like people are going to find it entertaining that's why it's super super popular um but do i think it's actually helping guys get better in terms of building healthy relationships i don't think so i mean if all you see on the internet is you know club girls going on a podcast and then getting into expecting intellectual level-headed debates from girls who were probably pre-gaming to go to the club right after the podcast um you're probably not going to get super insightful stuff and it's going to distort your view on women for sure and i don't know if you saw me on the whatever podcast the video that went super viral like i said in the group chat like usain bolt liked it ty lopez liked it all yeah these yeah, yeah. Like I, I, I saw you sent that yeah yeah so that video i went on the whatever podcast and i didn't i didn't really know like what it would be like to hop on a another another podcast like super red pill podcast um and then started like halfway on the show i'm like dude all these guys in the comment section are just so salty with women and they're just talking shit to all these girls obviously the clip of me that went viral was me roasting or having a comeback against some chick which is hilarious because I, I put in so much effort and, and time trying to help guys and i actually get results for guys but that doesn't go viral one clip of me you know roasting some chick gets like 30 million views in a week like crazy um yeah it's, it's because the, the reason that the content where men are arguing with women on podcasts and dunking on them gets the reaction is because it reinforces and gives guys an excuse or a reason as to why they're not getting success, right? Correct. It's like, oh, it's not me. It's not that I suck with women or it's not that I suck at making conversations or that I'm full of a ton of excuses as to why I can't go out there and actually just talk to a girl or approach a girl or whatever it may be. It's that women in 2023 uniquely suck. Women in 2023 are all whores or it's all single mother, like or it's all single mothers or all gold diggers or whatever it is, even though you're broke, right? Or you've never had sex. So why are you worried about single mothers or gold diggers, right? Um, it, it's it's just nonsense at the end of the day. And but it's it's very comforting. It's convenient to it's, it's to easier. Yeah, it's like you're you're rejecting the girls because they reject you. So you reject them first and you're just completely checking out of the game. You're refusing to play. Right. Because right. you're so bad at it. And if you go in and you do play the game, if you do throw your hat in the whatever the expression is, if you do try your hand at it, you, you you're you're potentially going to lose. You're going to be faced with failure. Whereas if you don't try at all and you say the game isn't worth playing and women aren't worth pursuing, women aren't worth it anymore, then you never have to expose yourself to the failure. It's just a it's just mental acrobatics. Right. So yeah, on during the podcast, I realized, like, dude, all these guys are, are not getting results with women. That's why they're so angry. Um, that's why I made it my goal in that entire podcast, just to give advice to guys. I completely ignored the girls 90% of the podcast, the whole entire podcast. And I was speaking to the audience. And it was so funny because whenever I'd speak to the girls or I'd roast a girl, all the guys would be like, yeah, W. Logan, W. Logan. Yeah, fucking this guy's based. This guy's speaking facts. And then I speak the fact about how all these guys are getting mad about women using simps, but it's actually the simps who are allowing them to get to 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 get used bro like it's the simps who allow women to walk all over them and i said that and all the guys are like oh you're you're young you don't know what you're talking about what do you know about dating right what do you know about this you're 19 years old so it's super funny how these guys will just they know it's right deep down they know it's right but they don't want to accept, accept the fact that they actually have to work on themselves to get these results right and it, it's so crazy to me how i'm half these guys age 
I'm on a podcast. They're in the comment section of the podcast I'm on. They're salty. You know, I'm me and my brother are the guys fucking hooking up with the girls after the podcast, right? So that's the funniest thing is like these guys have no idea what's going on. Well, you know, the if you want to see like the the fraud that is like the fraud and the sort of the self-own that is the the business model of this, right? Is why do podcasts bring on OnlyFans girls? Yeah. Like, why so, is that why why do they do that consistently? Yeah. One, they, because they it know. makes content. They can dunk on the girls, right? But why do the girls go on if they know they're walking into a firefight, essentially, or if they're walking into an ambush? Because some portion watching. Yeah, some portion of these guys who are complaining about the women and complaining about OnlyFans and complaining about all the, the tropes that are symptoms of, of modern women, right? They, they're still going to buy the OnlyFans, right? There, there's this weird repressed energy. And the only reason the business model works is because these guys are paying. It's profitable for these OnlyFans girls to go on because these guys are, end up paying for it, even though the whole time they're dunking on her, calling her worthless, what, whatever. Um, if you want to see like how, how twisted and dark the psychology of it can be. And this isn't me. Um, no, I've seen this. I know this dunk. behind the scenes, bro. I've seen this. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I'm not hating on any, any any specific podcast or any specific person. It's obviously like they're they're making content there. It's it's entertainment. There's a market for it. Right. Um, so by all means, go ahead. But do I think it's productive on average for the average guy to be consuming this sort of men versus women really just proxy for politics no i it's it, it's it's net negative it's net negative right. and the reason it feels so good and it's so entertaining is because you're probably coming up short in your dating life and this just reinforces all of the excuses you have in your head as to why you're not getting success yeah i mean it's it's much easier to go on a comment section and just talk shit to women rather than actually be like hey i wonder why i'm not seeing success with girls i wonder why i'm allowing these women to walk all over me and I'm wondering why I'm paying for these chicks and I'm not getting any sex in return. Oh, it's probably because I need to work on myself and there's something wrong with me. But so many guys are too weak to look at themselves and they don't want to look at themselves because it's much harder to do that. It's much harder to be self-aware than to just roast some chick or call her out for being a 304 or whatever. Um, I, I don't even know what that means. Dude, I, I didn't hear know what the, means either. the 304 thing all the time. Dude, I'm assuming so, it just means a girl's a hoe, right? It's a, yeah, it's like hoe upside down in like numbers. It's like boobs on a calculator, but it's fucking just 304. Oh, my God. Down. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Maybe, maybe, I, I, I don't know. I don't know the full meaning. That's what I was told. There could be more to it. I don't know. But they, they love using funny. it 304. They love using it. So I don't know. That's that's funny. That is, that's actually kind of funny. Um, <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's that's really good. That's good. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, bro, that, but that, you see that in the, all, that's all they comment. 304, 304, 304, just spam that shit. Um, wow. But I think, but yeah, a lot of guys who are my audience are like, bro, why don't you do more podcasts? Why don't you go on more shows with these girls and roast the fuck out of them? Like, you're good at it. I'm like, yeah, of course I'm good at it. It's like anyone could roast these girls. But what is harder is to actually better yourself and help men better themselves. And I think there's going to be an opportunity, though, because so many of these guys are getting pushed into this red pill roast girls but they're still gonna suck with women they're still nerds right and then i think hopefully they're gonna realize eventually that oh fuck i need to actually do something within myself wasting my time on a comment section you know commenting negative stuff isn't gonna make me better or make me more successful in life at all and so hopefully they start coming back to our pages my pages and they start to find what is really important which is yourself at the end of the day the other thing to, to keep in mind here too is that it it teaches you a 
an unrealistic way of communicating with women, right? These guys are on podcasts. They're communicating and arguing and debating in a very, very logical way. And if you, if you've been around women in a romantic context, at least in a romantic context, a woman is not meeting up with you after a long day at work for a drink or for dinner or whatever it is to have to talk and speak with you logically. It's, it's emotional. It's supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be playful. So guys go on, they see, you know, this person dunking on a girl and hitting her with the facts or whatever it is, speaking to them very logically. And then they think, oh, well, this guy has a lot of people following him or this guy is doing really well. Um, This is how I need to interact with women. I need to be like, I'm high value man. I'm going to cheat on you. Um, I'm going to have sex with lots of other women and you're going to sit there and you're going to accept it because you're a woman. It's like, good, good, good luck telling that to a girl. I I hope you, you, you try that out and and let me know how it goes. I promise you it's not going to end well, right? Because this this is just not how, Re- communication happens Andrew, in the real Andrew world. Tate doesn't even do that. He he says that. Of to course guys, not. But he doesn't no, even do that. Not. No, of course not. No. Of course not. No. I mean a guy work. a guy as charismatic and as socially in tune and aware as he is, the way he's speaking to you, a 20-year-old guy, and the way he's speaking on a podcast where his goal is entertainment value. Yeah, of course he wants to teach you as well, but the goal is to keep you entertained, teach you some stuff along the way. What someone like Andrew is speaking, the way he speaks to you is not going to be the way he speaks to to women in private, not even close, right? When he's when he's on a date. So to even try and emulate that style is wrong. And Andrew Tate wouldn't even tell you to do that if if if, if Andrew Tate's the person that you want to look up to, if he's the person that you want to emulate, right? So I think some of the this is you you can make the greater point here about social media that because it's performative to a certain extent, right? Me and you were pre- presenting a, a a catered, curated version of ourselves as much as we'd like to say we're being just 100% ourselves. We're obvi- obviously, we're cognizant of the fact there's a camera. Because there's a performance aspect of it, people and people are consuming this t- type of content on their phones all day. They start to think that the way people perform for camera is the way people perform in person or should act in real life, in their real relationships. And it's like, no, dude, go touch bra- grass, brother. Realize that relationships and communication is really not like this and that this is not take you need to take the message that they're that they're telling you but not necessarily go and emulate it depending on what it is you're trying to learn right right and what are your suggestions for young guys my age obviously you were very successful when you were 19 my my age um what what would be some advice you'd give to me or guys around my age so the advice i would give to you I would say the then this is going to be against most probably most conventional advice or what most people would tell you. I would say the biggest um like the 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 biggest risk you're going to run and the the thing that's probably going to hold you back the most um or will contribute to negatives in your in your life in your position I'm just assuming you're in a similar position I was in at that age is your ego. And I know people say oh your ego's good you shouldn't you don't want to go off and be a monk and accomplish nothing, which is true to a certain extent. But it is very hard to be young and um, lack the life experience. And I'm not saying you lack life experience. I mean, you've been canceled. You've interacted and people obviously like to listen to what you have to say. But there's just a certain level of life experience that you're lacking just because you're younger. And unfortunately, getting all of this fame, this success, et cetera, is going to cause your ego to inflate. And a lot of times the reason you chase it to begin with is because 
you were trying to fulfill something from a place of ego. I know I was, right? Um, and that's not necessarily a bad thing because look at all of the benefits or the good it's caused you, right? It's responsible for all of your success. But the, the problem is, is like what got you here isn't going to get you there. So there are going to be times where you're going to have to put your ego aside and say like, this is actively hurting me or this is actively holding me back from hitting my next financial goal, right? Like when I had this come to Jesus moment that my ego was holding me back in lots of ways, not only was I on average day to day significantly happier and less stressed, but also that was when I went and made the most money, right? So this idea that having a large ego and or not ha or being cognizant or not having too big of an ego and isn't possible to, if you want to like make money or have big goals, I'll say like the, the times where I've been able to swallow my pride and put my ego aside and be cognizant of it are the times I've gone on to make more money and, and gotten the most success ever. So, um, that, that's the one thing I would say in your position. And it's going to be hard because how many 19 year olds are in, are in a position like you, right? Like you're blowing up even earlier than I was. Right. 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 So that's the one thing I would say is be mindful of it. it you know, your ego is going to be a powerful tool. It's going to want you, want you to, to, to go higher and higher and higher, but it's a never ending chase. It's never going to be satisfied as I'm sure you, you're already starting to realize like, Oh, I want bigger things, I want bigger things, which is great. But you need to realize that that voice in your head, that ego is never going to be satisfied ever. It's insatiable, but also because it can never be satisfied, it's going to, it's going to require you to do crazier and crazier things that may end up being net negative for you long-term. So just be mindful. Mm. Okay. And what would you say for, obviously not a lot of guys, like you said, have a very grown social media or they have followers. What would you say for the average guy? Should they strive to get that or should they strive to build a skill set? What should they strive for if they don't have this? Well, it, I don't like to give blanket prescriptions um, mm. because I don't know everyone's specific situation. If someone's like, I want to make a lot of money in real estate or I want to make a lot of money in banking or concrete business, do they need to go and get 20,000 Instagram followers or 100,000 Instagram followers? Maybe not, right? I think making content in general is something that is almost always positive mm -hmm. because it allows you to articulate your thoughts and it attracts people who like that type of, who like what you have to say. Um, and I think for most businesses, you would, most businesses or most skills, you would benefit from content because it's going to generate you business or generate you leads. Now, that being said, do you need a lot of, if your goal is just dating, do you need to have a lot of followers? Absolutely not. I was having tons of success with Instagram when I had, you know, 900 followers, 2000 followers, 3000 followers, like before yep. I was known or associated with a YouTube channel. Ironically, as I'm sure you know, as well, having lots of followers can sometimes be a detriment. You'll DM a girl and she's just going to think, oh, he's just a fuck boy. He DMs girls all the time. He does this, you know, and you're going to get put yeah. into that category. You need to be seen as like somewhat because girls want to have the fantasy that they can tame you. But if you seem untamable, right, you're un you're you're uncontrollable. Like they have no amount of ah, I can maybe change him. Right. That's what gets them to, you know, meet you in the first place, even if you're a fuck boy. But if you have all these followers and you're showing this lifestyle with so many girls, it's going to turn off a lot of girls from thinking that I can change this guy or I could be a part of his dream, right? Or I could be a part of his fun bus, right? But once you go too overboard on these things, it's kind of like, you know, and the girls you will attract are just going to be girls who are clout chasers, girls who are just doing it for the camera, you know? So it's kind of interesting. And yeah, you're right. Yeah, I, honestly, I think my cold DM uh, response rate 
conversion rate was highest when I had like 3000 followers, right? It's enough that it's like a lot. So they think, oh, he's a social guy. It's big social circle. Maybe a lot of friends or he's a cool guy, but it's not 30K, 50K, 100K, whatever it may be, um, where they're like, oh, he's he probably does this all the time. He uses his followers or he uses his blue check mark to to hit on girls and it just feels transactional. And again, in a romantic context, it's all emotional. It doesn't want to feel transactional, which is why this idea that you just go make a lot of money, you go get successful and the girls are just magically going to come with it is not true. Girls are not you, – you, you don't hand your resume to a girl and say, okay, let's fuck. Right? right. You don't hand your resume to a girl and say, will you be my girlfriend now? No, it's all – that stuff may get her initial interest, but whether you keep that interest and whether it turns into a relationship that's going to be healthy and productive is based on the actual emotional connection. And that all has to do with your communication and the way you interact with people. Right. It completely just all about your frame, how you present yourself and who you are is what's going to keep her attracted. Like, that's why I say pickup is very temporary. And I guess social media followers could be a form of pickup, right? You might get the girl, but what's going to maintain the girl? It's not going to be the money. It's not going to be the status. It's not going to be any of these things. Obviously, you've seen guys who have status and money get divorced, right? So what is it that maintains the girls? It's who he is without all these things, right? And that's the biggest thing. Um, and for a lot of guys who have a lot of followers, even today, my buddy mess messaged me. He's like, and he's got like 500,000 followers on, on Instagram. Um, and he was like, dude, do you think it's a good idea for me to message uh, girls? Or if I meet a girl in person, should I show her my main Instagram? I'm like, no, dude, create a separate account. Do not like, especially if it's girls you're actually interested in, like create a separate account and he has a separate account, which is good. I'm like, yeah, just use that, bro. Because if she's going to be interested in you, then cool. And then maybe if she finds out later, it's going to be a bonus. It's not going to be the main thing that picks her up in the first place. Right. It's just going to be a cherry on top to it. Um, cause I noticed as well as like, bro, the girls I'm meeting on, on social media with my account with that, that has a pretty good number of followers. It's like, you know, you don't know, you don't know what these, what, what type of girls these are. Right. You don't know if they're just hitting you up because you have followers, whatever. Um, especially if it's in person too, like I wouldn't ever want to show my Instagram, my, my main Instagram to girls. I just want to see if she can, if she's actually down for me, um, just for who I am and most of the time they are right. So, yeah, it, there, there's so many things there. Like I have friends to one, two, three million followers, blue check mark, and you'd be surprised. You'd think, oh, they, they must get any girl they DM. It's not as high as you think. The conversion rate is still quite low. And again, it's for all the reasons that 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 that, that, that you've outlined and I've outlined as well. Right. Yeah. It, it, I think Agitate talked about it as well. It's like he was also getting a lot of chicks before he blew up, um, especially through Instagram. But the second you hit like a threshold of like too many followers, because it, that's the fantasy is like it's a paradox is girls want mastery over a man that cannot be mastered. Right. So if they know that you're just there's no way that you they'll ever be in your picture right it's they're not even gonna try um and, that, and that's the thing is even if they might think you're a funk a fuck boy right if they have some sort of sense of okay this guy is actually a little bit of a nice guy or this guy's actually a little sweet right but through social media you can't tell right that's death that's, that's just in person so it, the, it the biggest thing when i when i meet girls off dating apps the number one thing that they tell me is you're so much nicer in person than I thought you were going to be. And it, it's because, you know, I, I, I've been taking photos. I've had like done, done the whole Instagram influencer thing for a long time. So all my photos are more serious. They're a little more like model-esque. So they're assuming I'm going to be this, you know, maybe straightforward, super direct, like 
intense, super intense guy. And although I do get described as intense, they're like, wow, you're just so much nicer and uh, more, more sweet in person. I, I wasn't really expecting that, but it ends up being a, a, a positive, uh, a huge bonus because they come in thinking I'm going to be really intense and almost mean or a dickhead. Right. But when I come in and I'm super nice, um, they, it just, it just makes, makes, makes it that much better. Right. And what was like the biggest challenge of having um, base Zeus as the face of the brand? Did you see like, how was your credibility? Did people trust you? Um, how did you see all that? And what was like some of the problems? So I, I've given this so much thought when it comes to anime animated content, the difference is that people just aren't going to be as invested and care as much for an animated person or car cartoon because it's not a real person, right? So that's going to hurt some of the engagement long-term. I think in the beginning, the a big reason why it blew up was because it was so new and unique back then, right? But now there's a lot of animations channels. There's all these faceless AI YouTube automation channels that, that do this sort of thing. Uh, so you're not going to build as build big of a connection or as deep of a connection with, excuse me, someone who's not real. The other thing is that cartoons typically are just going to skew younger, a more immature audience. Like if you're a serious guy, you, you, you make good money, you, you, you're busy, you have a whole life going for your lives together and you come across a cartoon, even if it's really good and it's really compelling, you're probably just going to want to learn more from a human. Right. Um, right. The, the other, the other thing to keep in mind is that depending on what business model is that it could be helpful or it could be harmful. If this was mm -hmm. just content where I was making money off of AdSense and views alone, it would be great in the sense that um, this is content that's great for the sake of content. It's very interesting. It's very engaging. Um, and it's still pretty new and novel nowadays. The, the thing to keep in mind, though, is that let's say, for example, I'm my interest is in coaching guys really, really deeply. Now, I've done the, I've done courses. I've done, you know, for over 400 YouTube videos on dating that appeals to the masses. But in order, in terms of where I'm at and how dating still remains interesting is being able to go really in depth and advance with a hand selected group of guys, right? So I can actually watch them grow and it feels more personal and we can get a lot deeper and I could talk about dating in a way that isn't going to appeal to, you know, appeal to a broad audience. And if you want to work with someone and you want them to help you solve your dating problem or you want them to help you solve your business problem, are you going to want to listen to a cartoon or are you going to want to listen or are you going to want to learn from a real person? Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, probably back then it probably went better. I think it's getting worse now that people know about AI. So now when they think that they're talking to a screen, it's like, oh, the, the voice wasn't AI, by the way. I'm, I feel confident, comfortable saying the voice is definitely not AI. Oh, okay. Um, but now what I'm yeah, saying but, is like now AI, but now people can do yeah. that like with AI, like super, super well. Um, and they, they can just spam out a bunch of AI content, like of just exactly what base Zeus is doing now. So I think back then when you were doing it, I think it was a perfect time, like to do that shit. Now, I think it's now, now everyone's kind of aware of like, oh, this could be AI. This is not even a person, you know, back then is, it, it was very new, I think. And I think that's why you, you grew to like so many subscribers, so many followers. Um, but how that, you that, I would, I would say that model would still work today for mm. other niches. And I'm surprised no one's stolen that model yet. Like, for example, if, well, if I was really after just money and that was the whole goal, and if I knew better back then, if I would have made based Zeus, but he was giving financial advice or making money advice, it would have been, you know, 10 times as profitable. Mm. In the sense that it's high convert, high RPM, high CPM. That's one of the most, um, 
high, like you get paid the most from YouTube AdSense for that type of content. It would have worked the same way because financial advice is still just all gurus and faces and whatnot. And it's kind of boring. It's not very interesting. The only person who does it in a way that's really unique and new, and it's why he uses Baya Heza. I don't know if you know him. Mm. Um, he has this sort of meme style, very comedic, entertaining style of doing the content when he does these challenges. But um, if you were to have someone who is doing financial content with uh, a base Zeus-esque character, I mean, it would crush. And that's something I've considered too, just making base Zeus, but for like using base Zeus, but using it for different other styles of content, whether it's business or making money, et cetera. Um, right. But that's another one of the reasons that animation is a little limited. Mm. It limits the types of formats that you can do. So if I want to do an approach or I want to do an in or an interview, right. Or I want to do something like a podcast, it kind of, there, there's just a, a disconnect there. Right. And how were you monetizing Zeus in the very beginning versus how you're monetizing it now? Yeah. So AdSense was never a big thing for us because again, we, we got monetization after the adpocalypse and just our content never really had great CPMs or RPMs. We started monetizing with brand deals. That was really the first way we started monetizing. The first thing we tried launching was, was merch, like t-shirts, like every YouTuber does. Uh, it did not do well. It did terrible. And then we did brand deals. Brand deals were great because at the time it was still new to do a brand deal. And we were working with brands that I was using anyways, or I thought were really, really helpful or helpful to, to the people who would be watching. So it felt like a really, really good model. But the problem with the brand deal model is that it's not scalable. Let's say I make a video for Vincero, the watch company, or, you know, any Manscaped, for example, they pay me five grand for a video, let's say. I get paid five grand for that video. It's like, great. Yeah, I got paid five grand for video. However, if I want to make another five grand, I have to make another video. So it's not scalable. It's basically just a job, another job, which is why we moved away from the brand deal model. We did that model for years and it was great because I got to work with lots of brands. You, I, I felt like I had a really good system for getting consistency so that I was able to not only have consistent brand deals and have consistent revenue coming in, but um, was able to make the videos better in the sense that we had good ideas and it forced us to think a little outside of the box of how to integrate it smoothly. Um, but I didn't like the fact that essentially you're just getting paid. You're, you're just getting paid once and then you have to do another brand deal to get paid again and then another one. So it's a hamster wheel. So then after that, we launched courses and why I liked courses and coaching the best is it's 100% my product. So I can choose exactly the way it works. I can make a product that's going to fit my audience's needs the best because as much as upgrading your style is going to help you with girls and buying a watch is going to help you upgrade, upgrade your style really easily. Unfortunately, if I just make a course teaching you how to, if you watch a video on how to text and then I sell you a course on, on how to text better, if you want more in-depth help, if you really feel like you need it, it's just going to help my, my, my audience a lot better. I can control the fulfillment. I can control every aspect of it. For example, with all of my courses that I sold back in the day, it was hundred percent hundred percent, um, no questions asked refund guarantee. So I could run the business exactly how I wanted to. And I kept hundred percent of the margins because if manscaped comes to you and they say, Hey bro, I want to pay you 5k for a video. They're probably making at least 10k or 8k. There has to be some profit there. So you're losing some level there. So then we started the courses, which I thought was great because I could just go more in depth on the stuff that I was talking about anyways. And I was able to really help people and build a deeper relationship with people in that regard. And um, that was really, really great. But then the 
the the reason we moved away from courses temporarily, we still sell them and they're still great. But the reason I moved into coaching was because even with a course, as great as our courses are, and as much as if, if you signed up for a course or anyone signed up for a course, they'd, they'd, they'd help you out. Sometimes if you want to get really, really deep, you just need personalized help. And doing the coaching program and doing coaching, which is what I do now, has by far been my favorite business model. It's very, very simple. It's if you watch a video and you want if this is something that's important to you and you want personalized help from me and my team, we'll just help you. Right. We'll work with you specifically. We'll come up with a custom game plan for you and we'll just get you get you to your goals if it seems like you're a good fit and we can help you. Um, it's a very simple business model. And I can go really, really deep with a select fruit select group of clients. I'm friends with it's all I only bring on clients who I would want to be friends with and hang out with outside of the program. I have lots of new friends now people that right, my clients are people I'm friends with now. Um, so it's great from that regard. And also, I just get to go really deep and advanced on stuff. Because if I'm working with you one on one, within a couple weeks, within a couple months, you're going to make really big leaps. And I can talk about dating in a way that I can't talk about to a broad audience. That's awesome, man. Yeah, I've been doing more coaching recently as well. And I love it. I love it way more because I just get to talk to dudes. I get to see them actually grow and learn more. And it's so awesome. when You see that light bulb moment over and over about yep. new things that you're t telling them like in real time because they might get that light bulb moment over a YouTube video or a podcast, but I don't get to see that reaction. And yep. being able to see that reaction is fucking awesome, right? Being able to see someone transform their mindset is in real time is pretty fucking great. Um, so thank you fucking Bezos, Benjamin, for pulling up to this bitch. I really appreciate it. Um, thank you for yeah. dropping some knowledge. And uh, do you have any last words for the boys? No, thanks for having me on, man. I appreciate it. This was fun. Let's do it again soon. Deal. All right. See ya. Cool. Okay. So I just ended the uh, ended the live stream.